And we're back, baby. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here joined by Eli Balker coming out of Fort Payne, Alabama. Eli, why don't you say hi to the people? Hello, everyone. Roll the intro. All right, so we got a good one for you this month. I realize, actually, that looking at my, my post schedule, it has been monthly. That was not intended, but that's just what we're going with. So, uh, yes, uh, Eli has become a good friend of mine. Um, I know I called him B-Li, but, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a big joke, right? We're a big fan of the, the B. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to hand the football off to Eli, and I'm going to let him uh, tell, tell us about himself. Hello everyone, uh, Eli Walker here with the, the famous Caleb. Um, I am a college student minister at Auburn Christian Fellowship, which is where I met Caleb, who is a student here. Um, and this is my second year working for the ministry. Uh, at the same time, I'm working on a Master's of Transformative Ministry degree from Point University. I was once an Auburn student studying to become a pharmacist, and I decided to change my mind to go to ministry school instead. And there's a long story there. We may get into it. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's a that's a that's a big shout in the in the story game because you know I mean everybody changes their major is what they say, but from pharmacy to uh, well, my wife is on her fourth major, so. <laughs> We got we got big big mind changers around these parts, I suppose. So. Speaking of which, uh, I've been married for going on four years oh, in yeah. June. That's insane. Uh, to Michaela, she's lovely. Um, maybe she'll get an episode one day. Maybe yeah, you can't forget about the lady Eli. You almost forgot to mention her. You haven't had your lady on the podcast yet. I have not. The time is coming. Believe me. Well, she was on last episode in the very beginning. Uh, Ever got a little got a little little taste of of Renee's cadence, I suppose. Um, but coming off of that, uh, I, I will say that it is a big switch. And not only was uh, Eli a pharmacy student, he was a successful one at that. So um, I, I did achieve acceptance into Auburn's pharmacy program uh, as a junior nonetheless. And I completed my Bachelor's of Science Theory from Auburn, and I decided to decline the acceptance. Which is massive, in my opinion. I think that, you know, if, if I were to put myself in, in Eli's shoes at the time, like... That'd have been nuts because, like, it was nuts for me. That's my like, mom and dad were angry. <laughs> yeah, because like, and I would if if it were my kid, probably the same thing. Because you think about like my process right now is I'm doing accounting. I'm gonna get an internship, hopefully in Nashville, and I want to hopefully stay here, here actually. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, yeah. But Eli's Jones informed me to stick around, but hey, you never know. We got time, right? Uh, big changes have happened not only to Eli, so who knows who else they can change, right? So, um, uh, yeah. Either way, that's my plan, and for that to just dramatically switch. That's un, like almost unfathomable to me, but um, you know what? You turned out okay, and you're here now. Reese doesn't even know what his major is right now. Yeah, man, that, that's what I'm saying. Is I think ACF, it, you know what it is? It's a nice place because I think people can really relate to each other on that. No, you, you and, and I think that's kind of a, a big deal either way. Is you know uh, having a community to support you around your wanting to change. Uh, so anyway, um, you know what, since we're on the topic, it's, it's going to be okay to just swing right into. So what made you switch from, from the, the big time moolah science man to, uh, the big religious guy? So here's the deal. Uh, my family has a history of being in the medical field. Mom and grandmother, both nurses. Um, and I thought cool, I want to do something like that, but I don't want to be a doctor, and I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> and so that kind of just left dentist or pharmacist, and I didn't want to be working in people's mouths, you know with, what I'm with saying? The, with the teeths. So uh, I chose pharmacy school, and against the wishes of my parents, who are diehard Alabama fans, uh, I came to Auburn because they had the cheapest pharmacy program in the state. And oh. so of the two options, <laughs> one of which is a private school. So I uh, came here for the pharmacy school, and I cranked out enough credit hours in three years to get in um and i just couldn't shake the feeling that i was meant to work here for acf and i didn't think i would get an opportunity to if i went through pharmacy school and then finagled my way into an acf internship after getting my essentially doctorate of pharmacy and so I decided, you know what, I'll just take a year off from school, all, all in all, and I'll just work here for a year, and the year changed my life. Mm. And I loved, absolutely loved working with college students. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe I want to do this for 
an unspecified amount of time. Right. And uh, here I find myself in the second year of working for ACF, and uh, things have never been better. Yeah, do, doing a podcast with some stinking sophomore, huh? Um, but yeah, I think I think that that's a really it's a pretty inspiring story to at least me. And I know this is kind of getting into a, a larger topic, but when you look at God's timing, especially. Like, if I were in your shoes and I felt like maybe I was led somewhere else, it could be into ministry, it could be, it could be something completely different, I would want to know right now. Like, God, tell me right now. God, tell me right now. But, yeah, you, you sat out a year and you took that leap. That's a big leap in and of well, itself. Well, I, I left out some details of the story, but what came down to it is the finals week of my junior year. Oh. We were talking T-minus three months to starting <laughs> pharmacy school, I have this huge existential crisis where I'm thinking, what what am I doing with my life? Like, I really want to work for ACF, but I'm locked into pharmacy school. What am I going to do? And one of the people who worked here at the time just questioned me and said, are you that locked in? Are you really? Are you sure? Yeah. And I started investigating, can you can you postpone pharmacy school acceptance? Can you Can you postpone student loans? For a whole year, uh, turns out you can. <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, and I, I begged, uh, and luckily the assistant dean who I spoke with was a Christian like me, and uh, saw the merit in what I was doing, mm-hmm. and was all right with postponing my acceptance for a year, and I did that. Eventually, decided after in the midst of that year to decline, and and then. To save off the student loans, but also to help me with ministry, I decided to uh, start the master's program. Hmm. That nice, nice, nice. That's see now that okay. So you did have an existential crisis after all. I did. All. I it wasn't did. as easy as I made it out to be. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I think I think that that's oof, holy moly. I mean, and, and I think that's a big perspective shift for someone to just kind of knock you down and say like, hey. Are you really that locked in? Because that's like, you know, you, we make the world out of some things. And some of them can be as big as that. Or it can be, you know, like, maybe I don't want to drop a class or something because I don't have to deal with it later. And I'm like, yeah. oh, man, I either drop or I have to work really hard. And someone's like, is it that big a deal? And I'm like, you know, in the grand scheme of thing, things, no, it's not. So, yeah. Well, and another side of it is my mom and dad were really not on board with me not going to pharmacy school after that had been the my it had been my five and ten year plan for right. years. And uh, it was a way to make a lot of money. And when I first proposed the idea to them that I wouldn't be going, they were like, you're insane. You're, mm. you're going. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I finally, you know, talked them into supporting me on the basis of, well, this is me doing what I think is right according to God, which is the religion that you've essentially spoon-fed me since the time I could reason. Mm. So <laughs> you're going to tell me that you don't think me following the path that the God you believe in has set before me mm-hmm. isn't what I should do. Yeah, and I, and I will say that. I end up getting them on my side. So Yeah, that'll do it. And I think that's the fortunate <laughs> thing about having Christian parents is, is you always have the God card. What would God want, Mom and Dad? So I think, you know what, that, that worked out quite nicely in your favor. And so coming off of that, I, I, you know what, I don't even know this. I know he writes a paper a lot. But what what's grad school in the transformative ministry been like? So... A lot of people think I'm in seminary, and technically you could say that is correct, but I do not feel like I'm in seminary because I kind of equate seminary to the Christian version of, or the preacher's version of medical school, where Mm -hmm. you're four years of hardcore learning knows buried in the Bible and relative commentaries and all sorts of literature on theology for, well, it takes up all your time, basically. Um, And I almost feel like I'm a part-time student, and it's because I take one course at a time in this program, and it's for eight weeks straight, so it's a really um, concentrated material in each class. But that also helps me just focus on the one class. And I um, I do write a lot of papers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of our assignments are discussion posts based on reflecting on the uh, required readings for that week, um, which have uh, had a myriad of topics from business uh, such as uh Diffusion of Innovations or Theology. <laughs> yeah. You wanna... I had an entire Diffusion of Innovations course. Oh, hey, why don't we throw three big words together and make them write about it? Diffusion of Innovation. How neat. Uh, it continues. So that right and, and, and Theology. Um, right now I'm in Servant Leadership Theory. Oh, that's so, big time. Yeah. I, I've actually started uh, 
using some of our devotional times in the morning with ACF staff to uh, teach or possibly reteach them about servant leadership. So that's big time, man. You know, I'll tell you when at, at Whitesburg Christian, my high school. Uh, that was big time, man. High school. My, my high school, back in high school. Um, they really beat the brakes off of servant, le- servant leadership to us. And really? I, I think it's a really interesting thing. And Should we explain for the, you know for what, the listeners? Yeah, I'm going to let the big brain guy tell, tell his version. I'm no expert, but I am learning. So um, the kind of founder of this theory of servant leadership is Robert Greenleaf. And he describes it as uh, kind of the opposite to your typical business autocratic top-down one person has all the power kind of leadership Uh, you do whatever I say because I'm in charge kind of thing Um, it flips out on its head where it's more like you are doing things for the people who work under you and around you and for those that uh, maybe purchase your products or receive your services or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Um, and so you are at the very core level practicing serving the people that you work with or the people that work for you and your constituents or customers or students in my case. Yeah. And so the, the idea according to Greenleaf is that you would, um, you would better society in some way that the, the less able or the least among us in, uh, Christ's terms, uh, would be, um, bettered in some way or at least prevented from further deprivation of sorts. Yeah. I think, you know, that's big time. I think they're the way they, um, packaged it down for us was it was leading by following and I was like that's kind of that's kind of a hard thing to break down for someone who may not know Jesus because that's kind of a it's kind of a I, that's kind of a him oriented thing almost and like for me to explain it like it's kind of hard I just think it's a, it's a good sentiment at the end of the day but it's you know well you know I had to study uh, the passage in John chapter 13 when Jesus washes the disciples feet at the yeah. last supper and uh, Simon Peter is like whoa 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 who are you to be washing my feet you know you're too you're too esteemed you're too you know you, you aren't lowly enough to be washing my feet and when Jesus explains it to him he says all right uh, I would also like my hands and head to be washed as well uh, yeah it's there's a lot to learn from his his model of leadership. Absolutely, yeah. And I think what I think is so interesting about that is, is it's it's heavily humility based as well. And so I For mean, sure. I feel like I, I, this is this is getting into my life a little bit, but I feel like that's God's been leading me that direction a lot. And so it's it's that you know everyday practice of being able to think like, can I be humble? Ever like when I'm thinking about saying something that's braggadocious, maybe don't. That's a start, right? And so, um, yeah, no, I think, you know, the, the last shall be first. Um, he who humbles himself shall be exalted, and he who exalts himself shall be humbled. I've caught myself many a time exalting myself and being humbled <laughs> almost immediately after. So I think, yeah, no, servant leadership, man, that's a big shout. If you can if you can lock that down, man, that would, that is what we call goaded. Uh, me and my uh, uh, Gen, Gen Z. Gen, Gen, Zoomers? Yeah, our, me and the Zoomer kids. Hey, I... I don't even know what I am. I'm, I'm, I was born in the Zoomer years, but I feel like I have millennial tendencies. He's a boomer. He's back. He's born back in the '60s. Yeah. No, I clown on Eli a lot for being an old man because he. I think you have an old. Twenty-four soul. years old. Twenty-four. He's such years an old, old man. He's actually, I think he's like fifty-three. Just don't tell anybody. I'm just kidding. No, Eli's. A, he's, he's a young, good-looking, strapping lad. Um, and so I, I don't know. I like Eli. He's great. Yada yada yada. Right. Um, you know, Greenleaf also says that uh, servant leadership, when effective, will produce more servant leaders. That's true. I think, man, that's a that's a big thing. So if 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 you look at a place like a church, and if you can, you know, quantify our is this place churning out servant leaders, then you'd say, yeah, they're doing it right. And yeah. and if you see, you know, the one head pastor for 40 years who has all the money because he's a televangelist. Um, maybe they're not. Maybe yeah. they're not doing it right. Quite servant leaders. Yeah, no, I think that's a big thing. And I think it's it's watching um, the church like kind of bleed out what one person does almost. And I think just in society as well, I'm going to make this kind of a, a bigger and a bigger idea of like, you know, um, good goes around, comes around, all that. And like, there's that some commercial, I don't know, maybe it's Coke or something. But um, yeah, and also when you look at if someone's kind to another person, then like generally that will bring them into the spirit of giving, you know? Yeah. And um, also what I've learned is I kind of clown about it, but um, if someone gives me a gift and they're like, you don't have to pay me back, 
I'll always say, you know what? I'm gonna take your kindness and I'm gonna give it to somebody else because that's you know that's just a it's a, it's a it's a goofy little thing, but I like it. I like it's it's it packages up a big idea. I like those kind of things. So uh, yeah, I think servant servant leadership gets a thumbs up from me. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think we should get into how we met. Yeah, no, I think I, I asked you about pharmacy school, and then we started going a little, little further past. <laughs> so um, I know that I probably, I probably saw Eli before this, but the first time I met him was at ACF's beach retreat, and we took us a long walk on the beach, toes in the sand, all that, the, the good stuff. And I think it was really, it's a really fitting way for us to, you know, get connected and all that. So, yeah, ACF. Uh... During Beach Retreat, we always do uh, a program, if you will, called Stranger Danger, where <laughs> the goal is that you would find someone that you don't know super well, that you're not best friends with, and you go take a walk with them on the beach and get to know each other and, you know, perhaps make a new friend or strengthen a, a growing friendship or something like that. And and I had just caught on to Kale's sense of humor around ACF, and I was like, that's going to be a fun guy to be <laughs> friends with. Uh and I was at a place where I really needed some some support and more friends at that time in my life. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay my entire life story, the, de- the depressing parts and all, onto Caleb here on the beach, this guy who barely knows me. <laughs> and you took it in stride, and uh, we've grown into close friends ever since. Yep, I absolutely agree. And um, uh, he was not, um, you were not working for ACF last <laughs> year, yes. So um, he wasn't like a, a, a leader of mine back then. He was, you know... He's a, he's a, a higher-up for me, at least, because he was older than me, and I saw him as, you know, he seemed to be a wiser guy than I, at least. I had, according to ACF, I had been around the block. Yes, I think, frankly stated, yes. <laughs> um, and so, I'll, and I'll be at, like, um, and talking to Eli and also hearing about, like, he, hearing his whole story, like, I don't know if you even know this, but, like, I don't really do well with, like, uh, sympathizing or empathizing, period. So, like, that conversation was, like, Man, I do not want to sound sarcastic when I'm like, man, that's really hard. And I think I still, I still have that issue. And I don't know. You get, once once you know me long enough, you know I'm not. I'm you not didn't kind of, come off as sarcastic you in know that what? moment to me. So thank the Lord. Kudos right? to you. Turned out okay. So yeah, but um, yeah, going back from that, he is a uh, he is a staff member for the sophomores, which is what I am. So that's that's grown our relationship more. And I will say, like you had talked to me like a little bit before that walk, and I think you kind of got like you know, wanting to connect more before we took the walk on the beach. Like you and I had talked before, you had made a comment at me or had a conversation maybe. So it was nice to kind of get the whole thing going, I think. Well, what I've learned from ACF uh, is that as a college student minister, and I think this probably goes for as like a youth minister too, you're going to make strong connections with specific students. Yeah. And it is your job to notice when one of those connections is possible and pursue it Mm -hmm. hard because that's where the real heart kind of changes are made. That's where the real connections are made. And, you know, ACF's mission statement starts with to connect university students. Yeah, man. So if if I spend my time with students and I connect with people and I make friends with Caleb, then uh, I think I've done my job well. Yeah, I got to hook them. That's the, uh, the, the big <laughs> thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's been it's been a joy uh, growing together with all with B-Live Balker. Uh, it's been a lot, a lot of fun thus far, and I'll tell you uh, a little bit about Eli and myself. Is is what I really appreciate about Eli is is how rule oriented and by the book you come off as. At least that's what I can tell. Because I tell you what, man, a lot of people like to bend the rules to their liking, and it kind of makes me it makes my my spine crawl. Isn't that what they say? So uh, makes me angry. <laughs> makes makes me angry. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I do appreciate that about you, and I, I'll tell you candidly, and I'll tell other people candidly. Eli, he's reliable and he's dependable, and he's gonna he's going to, he's going to do the right thing most likely. So, commendation to you, right? Thank so, you. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. So um, we talked about talked a little bit about us. Talked about you know uh, what you're doing now, and so where would you like to take the future? What's the future look like mm. for Eli Walker? Well, my wife is the kind of person who would want to move around and live in different places all over the world. Uh, she's also the kind of person who wants to have four kids, and those things are almost <laughs> mutually exclusive. Right. Um, so, uh, really, my goal is I would love to work in anti-human trafficking for some type of uh, relief agency or rescue agency or something like that. Uh, I think a combination of my biological understanding and my theological understanding, once I finish this program, will... 
hopefully land me in a position to to get a job like that. The go. good news is that we have a freshman at ACF this year who has a very similar passion for um, working to save people out of those situations. Oh. And she's on track to graduate at the same time as my wife. Oh. So that could lead us to similar places, possibly. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the future uh, is in God's hands. And I learned uh, when I used to be a five-year planner and even a 10-year planner, you know, when I was in high school and undergrad, yeah. I learned that uh God can be found in uncertainty. And so when I was in the middle of summer and I wasn't going to pharmacy school anymore and this year of working at ACF was coming up and I just had no idea what was going to happen, I had to deal with that being okay. Yeah. Because I, I was this rigid, I know it's going to happen for the next X years of my life type of person. And I had to deal with my life no longer being that way. And, and me not having direct control or thinking I had direct control mm-hmm. over my future anymore. Yeah, and I'll tell you, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know your your A, B, C, or D personality, but I know I'm I'm a I'm a C as far as that's concerned, and I know that you. And by the way, you talk. Eli and I are both planners for what the most part. Like before the podcast started, we were making sure we had our pretty little <laughs> outline and we had everything. Gotta have it all, everything down. And so I actually had a similar thing happen to me where, um, like, if you look at a Type C. And they love control. They like things that they can handle themselves and work with themselves. And I, I find that to be true for me. But as I've grown, especially in my spiritual walk, I have found the value in like letting go, let go and let God. That's what the that's that's that. There's your, there's your buzz term. Yeah, there's your uh, Sunday morning uh, modern you know skinny jeans church preaching. <laughs> yeah, and and so I think that that you probably learn the exact same thing is that you know the lack of control is a lot more blissful than we make it out to be. I think you know the the desire for control and like well, I have to manage it. it's. The basis of anxiety disorders, actually, is yep. the, the need to have control of your life and know what's going to happen and, you know, uh, be able to predict, you know, certain things. And that's that's why I think I, I think that's why I'm actually blessed to not have any, like, mental struggles with anxiety or, or whatever. And I actually find it hard to empathize with people who do because... <laughs> Yo, you know, the, the funny thing is, is I know, yet again, uh, y'all can't see him. I certainly can. But I definitely made big eyes at Eli there because I have said that exact same sentence many a time before. Because I think um, my, my, my thing is the exact same. as I have, I have been blessed to not have, but I have been cursed to not be able to compare. I don't say, I say cursed just as an oxymoron to blessed. Yeah. But um, I will say that like, what I've also learned is is um, when people talk about, you know, maybe not feeling worthy to talk to God or whatever, I'm like, I've also never felt that. But here's the bad thing is I know that many a times I've become lukewarm and complacent in that where I'm like, God's there if I need him, you know? I don't, I don't like, I, I don't, I feel like, yeah, I can talk to God, whatever. Like, I, I, I write that off so often because, like, sometimes that need for God, like, he's blessed me so much that I almost feel like sometimes I don't need him. And I, I catch myself a lot doing that. I'm trying to grow off. See, that's where I feel like we're different is I spent a really, really long time in my life believing that I had to personally handle a sin in my life that reigned supreme for a really long time um, before I would be worthy to pray or, or be in God's presence or whatever like that. And, you know, eventually I had one of those glass shattering moments where uh, someone beat me over the head with the idea that Jesus has the grace to cover everything and that mm-hmm. because I am broken and in need of saving is why I'm worthy to, you know, pray and be in his presence. And But for a long time I just didn't pray because, number one, I didn't think I was worthy to. And number two, I just told myself that I didn't know how. Hmm. And I, I just got by with being a Sunday Wednesday Christian. Uh, you ever heard that term before? Yeah, I've never heard that one. I've heard a couple others, but i never heard that one. Yeah. Uh, in my church, we'd call the Sunday Wednesday Christians as the ones that you'd see at church on Sunday and Wednesday and you see at the bar on every other night of the week. Ooh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, we nothing wrong with being at the bar, but... Yeah, no. It's, it's just what you do. It's that you're only Christian at church, essentially, is the... Yeah. The bottom line of it. I understand that. And I, I know my. I, I heard a, a term. It's, it's a if you only make a church on Easter and Christmas, you're a cheester. Cheester. Yeah. I've heard that one. Yeah, that's the that's the the big one I know. But yeah, I think that's interesting because I don't know. I guess that doesn't. I guess those are not. That's the the feeling worthy may not be directly attributed to uh, anxiety or depression or anything like that, but. I don't know. I do think that's interesting. That's kind of where we where we break off. Well, and another part of you know the whole sin debate is that um, we as humans do not 
possessed the willpower to deny our flesh in certain circumstances. You know, like yeah. an, uh, a, a, an alcoholic who's attempting to recover, if you know they're alone at home with a bottle of whiskey, it's going to be near impossible for them to deny themselves without some sort of ex- external help, whether that's someone else or, you know, Holy Spirit type of intervention. Yeah, I'm with that for sure, for sure. I think I used to be a big willpower <clears throat> fellow myself. I'm like, man, I can do it. I can get by. No. <laughs> that's what I thought for sure. But, uh, that's yeah. what I thought. Ne- needing God, that is... that is. It makes you worthy. It, it do, it do. Ooh, how about that, ladies and gentlemen? Yet again, you got... Uh, for for uh, for the second thing in your list of oxymoronic Christian things, you first have servant leadership, and now you have uh, you need to you have to be. What did you just say? It was you have like, to need God to be worthy. Yeah, you got to need to be worthy. Maybe not because really. we need God, we are therefore worthy to be in His presence. Okay, maybe that's, that's not as oxymoronic as I made it out to be. Sort of. You know what? Who knows? Right? Leave it up. Leave it in the comments. There's no comments. But uh, <laughs> so that was uh, originally we we're talking about Eli's future. But maybe we'll take it. We'll take a dip in the toe to the past. Eli has told me, and I've heard nothing about this, so I'm very excited to hear about it. But he has a friend who claims, at least, to have sold his soul to the Dev Hill. So I'm. You know what? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let it fly. And I'm gonna let Eli go for it. So um, you've seen it a thousand times in movies and. Uh books and whatever kind of media where someone finds themselves in some really dire terrible situation and they're like all right uh devil on my shoulder i'll you can have my soul for eternity if you'll just get me out of this right now Mm -hmm. and i have a real life example and it is terrifying to think about so when i was in high school um one of my friends i wouldn't say close friends but he was in the friend group Mm -hmm. um his name's justin Justin uh, got in trouble a lot. And one of those times was the last straw for our principal at our middle school. And they sent him to alternative school, or A school as we called it. And it was probably the worst experience of his life. I mean, because he was tiny and scrawny, and I guarantee you the kids there just, like, beat the crap out of him. Yeah. And, And he explained it like he would have done anything to get out of there, which... Apparently he did. Uh, one time he and I were alone and he confided in me that he made a deal with the devil to give him his soul to, uh, if he would release him from from alternative school, to, to get him out of there, basically. Hmm. And I don't know, I'm 15 or 16 and I had no idea what to do with this information and it was terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, and here's my friend Justin confiding in me and I'm this, you know infant of a Christian like I'm telling you it, I probably couldn't have even been fed milk at this point <laughs> you know the scripture talks a about and and I had to, I just had no idea how to respond I, I didn't even you know I didn't even say something to the level of oh we should pray about this or I should tell my pastor like I, I didn't even take it that far I just let it go and I haven't thought about it for a long time Wow. and um, I don't know how my friend or former friend Justin is doing I haven't seen him since graduation to be honest wow. so like gra- graduation like, graduation of high school that would be 2015 yeah for you listeners yeah so so he made a deal when did he make the deal with the devil while he was in a school I suppose this would have been I don't know middle school so 7th or 8th grade and so you really didn't talk to him since that time? I mean, we were still friends and hung out and everything. We just ignored it, I would say. Did he ever did he, did he ever get out, you know, or is that... What do you mean, get out? Like, he, he wanted to get out of the transitional school, right? Oh, yeah, no. Like, he told me this after he was already back oh, in, like, I see. I high school it. with us. I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. It wow. was just for maybe a semester, maybe a whole school year that he was there. Hmm. You know, that's you know that's really interesting to me because I've heard you know like I think Jake from from an old podcast uh, he <laughs> talked about how the weekend uh, the music artist sold his soul to the devil. I I did listen to that. Yeah, and so I mean I don't know what to think of that. I think you know if there's merit there, I haven't looked into it a ton, but like with seeing that he's famous now, I mean he could have, and like I know I think Renee said it, my, my lady friend. She said it in jest that, like, Tom Brady could have sold his soul to the devil because when you think about his story, like, he was going to be an insurance salesman and he was, like, way late picked. And then he's won, like, six and potentially, like, a seventh Super Bowl. Speaking of that, 
Y'all are not going to believe this. The year is 2021. Tom Brady is facing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes was six years old. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. I know people talked about that with Jared Goff back when, the, when it was the Rams and the Patriots, but... Holy moly. Yeah, it's just, he's bringing the years back, man. Hey, but I guarantee if Tom Brady's still kicking it in uh, a few years, I don't know how old Patrick Mahomes is, he could be playing someone that wasn't even born. There's no way. Hey, man. Hey, if there's he, no way. He's made it this far, and he's on the stinking Buccaneers, dude. That when was the last time the Buccaneers made the Super Bowl? It was like 20, 2006 or something like that. Oh, my gosh. They had, really, had a really solid defense. Insane. But, um... Sheesh, bro. I, you know, I'm kind of salt. I'm a Saints fan, so I was I was sad to see the, the Saints lose. And here's the thing, is the Saints beat them twice in the regular season. They beat the brakes off of them the second time, and then they freaking choke. And it's like, hmm. Like, we weren't even at the, we weren't even full strength, and we were in Tampa Bay, <laughs> beat them 38-3. And we, also, oh, so you're a Saints fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so for Tom Brady to come out there and still perform, like, a little sus. Look, Tom Brady in the playoffs is just like LeBron in the playoffs. You're not going to beat him. Yeah. You're not. And Plain if you simple. do, it's it's got to be pretty crazy. It does. It does. Yeah. I mean, uh, only a team from Atlanta could blow a three-touchdown <laughs> lead. <laughs> That's another thing, man. I don't think people talk about it. No, Tom Brady's come back from pretty crazy odds. I mean, he didn't make it against the Titans what, last year or something, but... Who cares, man? He's this far, this old, with the Bucks, man. You know what? I don't know. Uh, you know what? I don't know. But I think that you can almost look at that and you can almost wonder to see it, like what odds Tom Brady has come back from. So, who know? you know what? Who knows? I think selling yourself to the devil is such an interesting concept. And, like, I don't know. Like, do you think, is there any hope for them at that point? Do I do. Think? I do think there is hope for them. I mean... You know, there are stories from Scripture of, of people who were completely taken over by demonic possession and they had no control of their own bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, they had they had no will themselves to be able to say, God save me. And Jesus was able to heal someone like that. You know, we, we believe in an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. Yeah. So if, if one were to pledge their soul to the devil for whatever reason... I do. I would not think they're beyond reproach. Yeah, and the Bible doesn't list that, does it? That's the thing. Is it lists it lists one one thing that is beyond reproach, and that is a lifelong denial that God exists. Yeah, and I, I honestly like I don't know um, your whole your whole theology behind it, but what I've heard and kind of what I think is really neat is that uh, my my um, youth pastor talked to us about it, and it's pretty much like um, you know God, he's you know predestination type beat, right? God knows. Who's, who's going to end up in heaven? I, I believe, and youth minister believe, I'm pretty sure. So coming off from that, it's like if someone blasphemes the Holy Spirit or says, like, God, I do not want you anymore, then um, then they, they may return later and say, like, that was a mistake, God. I, I need you to forgive me for that. Like, he, he made an analogy to it um, where, like, you know, uh, a, a son or daughter, maybe, like, eight years old, and it's like, Dad, I hate you. I'm running away. And then they come back, and what do they do? They're crying, and they're broken. And so, like, I do wonder if God knows, like, who means it and who doesn't. And so... Well, and, you yeah. know, the scripture that says that, you know, the one unforgivable sin is the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. But I think that should be viewed in the context of doing so throughout the course of one's life if you okay. constantly deny that you you know and and i really think it comes around to how much god loves every single human being that if you live your entire life wishing to have absolutely nothing to do with him then he will give you that separation through eternity mm-hmm. yeah sheesh yeah but that makes sense that on the contrary sense. if you desire nothing more than to be in his presence then he will if I, we hope give us that for eternity also true yeah that's it's that thing man it's that thing and um you know i'll tell you going back to our little control talk like that's um it's interesting that that's like a lot of people's reason for not wanting to be a, a christian is because they you know they don't want to lose that control of their own desire in their own life and i feel like man i guess control is kind of an overarching big time sin deal because when you look at how it affects everything you know i don't know that's a big dot connector in my brain 
uh, juice now. So, yeah. Selling your soul to the devil. Who knows? I haven't done it. Don't think Eli has. I would not be willing to do it. <laughs> Don't plan on it. That's so scary. That's It's <laughs> terrifying. You know what? Too spoopy for my brain. But Have you ever had any uh, uh, supernatural experiences? Oh, supernatural experiences. I'll tell you, I think that I have sometimes, but I think that it kind of, it wasn't real or was in my own brain because like there were three occurrences in like January of 2018, 2017, one of the two. I wrote them down in a Google Doc. They're somewhere on my computer. I listed them out because I'm like, man, if this stuff keeps happening, oh, baby. Um, And I wrote off one of them for sure because it was like one of my friends pranking on me even though I thought I saw something. To give the synopsis, what, what had happened was, is I was over at a friend's house and there was three of us there. And he had a larger house, so we were able to sleep on like a bunk bed and then like I think one of us slept on the floor. I was like bottom bunk. Um, I wear contacts. So like um, I thought for sure his dad came in and said like, this person's name? And then like no response. And I like looked up and I saw a figure in the doorway and then it walked away. And I was like, why didn't you respond to him? And then they're like, what? And I'm like, hmm. And yeah, I was getting clowned on. I didn't do I don't think there really was anyone at the door. It just was another person there saying that guy's name for whatever reason. But just to pull your leg. Yeah. And then another one happened in class, but I think it was just a lapse of, it's, it's such a weird thing. It's almost like a Mandela effect time breach. I have another one of those. I'm gonna let you tell one of yours. I'm sorry, but um, I will say, so this one was in class, and it was like pretty much the week after that one thing had happened. And so, I was in class, and the the teacher calls on somebody's name, like, let's say, for the sake of the example, they were like, uh, alright, Cameron, you read out this next problem. And then, an entirely different person, like, started reading the question, and nobody noticed it, except for me and the guy sitting next to me. We, like, look at each other, and we're like, you didn't, you didn't call on him. And like nobody else noticed. And I'm like, something's up, man. And especially since they were so close in succession, that's what kind of goofed me up. So that's my closest I got, I guess. I got to tell you a story that I have told very few people. Oh, baby. And it scared me. There, Look, I'll tell you, there have been very few times in my life that I have been genuinely terrified one was when I was a kid and I got lost from my mom <laughs> at this big like baseball like tournament for like you oh, know no. for T ball, right? Yeah. Terrified. There have been very few instances where I've been that scared in my life. And this story is one of them. Oh, and I've told very few people this. And it happened recently too. It's about to be on the internet. It's about to be for all to It's about to be out there. So a few months ago, we're talking November. This is during Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. Michaela and I are back home in Fort Payne, staying with her mom and dad, whom we've stayed with uh, several times, and um, sleeping in the same bottom bunk of her nephew's bunk bed that we've, our nephew's bunk bed, that we've slept in a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the nights, we're going to sleep, and I just am woken up. And I'm sure I haven't been asleep maybe like an hour. Mm-hmm. And I just am woken up. And I don't. I'm confused because I don't know why I'm awake right now. And I don't know what woke me up because I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. I didn't, you know, I wasn't touched, right? And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I see a a shadowy, like, face-like, I don't know what to call it, approaching my face. And and I, like, I, like, moved in the bed. I, like, backed away and I started praying immediately. And I, I'm telling you, I prayed for, like, ten minutes straight just over and over again. In the name of Jesus Christ, leave right now. Whatever it was. And I, I'm getting chills right now remembering it because I got chills in the moment. Yeah. And I've never seen or experienced anything like this. And I don't want to say that I saw a ghost because I, I don't know if it was a ghost. But I, I really think it could have been a demonic-like attack, to be completely honest with you. Hmm. So, so Terrifying. So you prayed out loud, I suppose? Absolutely. Was there anyone else in the room? Michaela, she was asleep. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I know you said bunk bed, so that's what I was wondering. But yeah. So did it just immediately go away when you did that, or like the f- the the visual what what I saw some type of shadowy face, you know, did go away. But my feeling of being terrified and not alone didn't go away until I had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and, prayed and like finally calmed down and was like breathing normal again and was able to fall back asleep. Man. Holy I, I haven't even told Michaela about this. <laughs> really? I was so freaked out by it. I just I had to, I had to just ignore it. Sheesh. And I, and I, I I don't know, man. 
Wow. I don't know. That's nuts. I mean, I've, I've heard a similar story, like, similar to that. Um, it was one of my friends, and he mm. said he was having, like, a dream, and, like, um, something about, like, he was in a graveyard, and the, the sky was red, and it was dark, and he was sitting in his car, and his, like, arm was out the door, and, like, he saw it, I think, either in the mirror or in front of him, but there was, like, someone digging a grave, and, like, he knew it was for him, and then he woke up and, like, saw a shadowy figure and, like, started praying, like, immediately, like, um, a similar thing, like, Jesus, uh, take this away, like, whatever seance, uh, reverse seance, I don't even know, but, like... Like, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that's that, the that one. type of thing. Um, and, and so, like, he saw that it, like, started moving, and, like, he said, like, Jesus makes the darkness tremble. And so that's kind of what he attributes to that. Wow. Is he, is he thinks that that could have been a wow. kind of demonic kind of thing. And people say, like, there's sleep paralysis and all that. I have experienced that. Okay, so you know should the I, Should I tell that? Yeah, no, tell you sleep paralysis. I want okay, to so here's the you. difference. Uh, and I, I've only ever experienced this not in a bed. So, like, I was, like, asleep, say, like, on the love seat in my house one yeah. time. And this was, like, during the, the big quarantine earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um and I was laying there, and I'm telling you, I slept for like an hour and a half, and I never take a nap longer than like 20, 30 minutes. Um, and I was acutely aware of what was going on in the room, but I could not move. Was there other people there? Or was it just <clears throat> Michaela was in the house, but she was just moving around doing stuff. And at one point, I was so sure that she had walked through and opened the front door that I looked up. I moved my head, and I looked at the door, and it was closed. But then I immediately, like, fell back asleep, and I did not have control over, like, my body. Like, I, I knew I was laying there. I knew I was asleep, but I couldn't move. Hmm. It was terrifying. <laughs> Sheesh, man. That, that <laughs> happened before the whole thing, at the, the story I just told. Yeah. And, uh, and it hasn't happened again since. That happened hmm. twi- two, on two different occasions, but... That's interesting. And, and I, I think that was definitely sleep paralysis. Yeah. But I'm sure there are people who are out there who are listening to this, who experience it on a regular basis and are laughing at me because they're like, <laughs> yeah, right, you haven't been through what I've been through. But yeah, it, it was it was scary for me. It really was. And when I asked Michaela after I finally was able to like make myself get off the couch because like, I couldn't get up like, and I wanted to. Uh, and I asked her if she'd come in there. She said, no, I've been here doing laundry the whole time. So... <sighs> Frick, man. I tell you, like, I've had, you know, <laughs> the, the closest thing I've had is, is those dreams, like, on school mornings where, like, you you dream you're getting up and, like, getting ready, and then you turn, and, like, you, like, think the door's open, and, like, you, and then you open your eyes for real, and, like, it's like, oh, frick, I'm late. Um, that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I had, I mean, I kind of had, like, I had a sim, I had an interesting dream last night that someone was at my door, and they were, like, trying to inspect the, the trailer for some reason, and, like... I, I told him like oh hey one second I'll be right back and I like shut the door on them and locked the door and I'm like I wouldn't do this and I was like why am I doing this I would probably talk to this person and tell them they have the wrong place and then like I dreamed I like turned around shut my door and like jumped in bed and then I woke up in bed and I looked at the door and I'm like that wasn't real <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I know that that almost human like real life like thing but I've never had that that kind of like oh that's like that kind of that kind of freaks me out that, like it was experiencing that I was asleep, knowing that I was laying there, but I yeah. couldn't make my body move. Yeah, I, I guess I've, I've been lucky to not have to deal with that because, ooh, that's scary. <laughs> that's scary. Okay, I've got a question for you that's a little bit less scary. Okay. Do you think that humans are inherently good or evil, or perhaps neither? Um, so I am of the impression that originally we weren't we were good, right? But um, through sin and coming down the line, and I mean, I have my own scriptures for believing this as well, um, I believe that humans are inherently evil. I used to be of the camp that we were always good and um, perverse by the world. But uh, yeah, I think I think my my thoughts on that have changed since. So yeah, I, but that is that yet here again, I have not delved into it as near as much as Eli has. And I know he's got a he's got a big theory big theory for the for the people. I so I see humans as image bearers of God, mm-hmm. and God is the goodest there is. He's the goodest. And if we are created to be in His likeness, then it is my assumption that humans are inherently good, and um, I don't have any proof to be honest with you. <laughs> That's just what I think. Yeah, I see that. I think the the closest that I could get to proof, I guess, is like one of my teachers who 
he was a he was a, he was a very simple man. Like he had a lot of like he was very to the point, and he always was like, you don't have to teach a baby how to you know cry and whine and like take something. Like you don't have to teach a baby uh, like X Y Z. Like you don't have to teach a baby bad things. Like they like come they say pre like he, the baby comes pre programmed to want to to lie and to go against their parents' wishes and all that, you know? And so it's, you have to teach them otherwise. You have to mm. teach them good. And so, like, I saw that, and I was like, well, okay. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't really believe that, but what I do believe is, is, you know, no one is righteous, not even one, straight out of straight out of the horse's mouth, uh, the, the horse being Jesus, of course. So that's, that's, my, that's my main thing for believing that. Well, I think there's another level to all of this. So... Whether you believe that humans are inherently good or inherently evil or inherently neutral, does that presence of good or evil indicate that we are intelligently designed by some higher being that, of course, we believe to be the Christian God? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like you to more elaborate on that because I think that not a lot of people would, would think of it in that kind of root, so I'm, I'm interested to hear so, what you mean. So I have a mix of theological and evolutionary uh, creationism, I guess I'll call it, because I, I do believe that humans were created by God, and but but we could have been created through the process of evolution. I believe that's totally possible. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there is any hardcore concrete proof of anything bigger than microevolution. Um, but, you know, let's say if there's some way to prove that humans are in inherently evil like you think um, does that mean we are made to be that way on purpose which would imply that we were designed by someone or something the Christian God that we believe in would be the answer for us yeah yeah I don't know I think that's interesting I think the the way I would kind of answer that is is like um, you know our, we have pea brains first and foremost <laughs> we do. of course we do. like I, I've talked about this a lot I think a lot of a lot of times our brains will hit the wall or like a wall that we cannot understand that like God's on the other side of that and he knows and so what I think the thing is is like we know that or at least I know that God like he predestined like he knows everything that's going to happen like I have I have full faith in that and so when like did God put sin in the world on purpose you know, and and because then there's verses that say directly against that. That's a crazy thought. And, and so yeah, and then that's where our brains are like, well, he knows everything, and he did. You know, everything was intentional by God. But did he put like sickness and disease in the world, and and did he did he mean for this to happen? And then you know, the the dominoes all fall, and we can't really figure that out. God exactly. knows, I yeah. don't. So yeah, the implications of an intelligent designer. I mean, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of. I had a lot of conversations with people who may or that don't really believe that. Yeah. And so, I don't know, everyone too. I think extent. that's a major fault of Christians across the United States, especially in the southeastern uh, areas, is that we don't have conversations with people who believe other things than us. We would rather just pretend that they don't exist, largely. Yeah. Not everyone, but yeah. largely. And I, I definitely, I've been lucky to, to be able to go to Auburn and get involved with, um, like, especially a lot of honor stuff. Like, a lot of, like, I've joined a book club that talked about how, like, college students are babies, and we don't know how to listen to one another, and all we want to do is get mad and shun people. And so that that lent itself to a lot of diverse ideas, and I'm also in, like, diversity and honors, and that's a whole thing, too. So, um, but reeling that back in, so what, what do you believe about the implications of an intelligent designer based on the idea of good and, good or evil? I think there's got to be proof. Mm-hmm. in some capacity that we and our world were designed intelligently that there was no amount of randomness that could have produced an environment perfect for humans to be able to live in like mm-hmm. the earth's atmosphere and, and you know the biosphere and stuff um, so surely even if it's at the the level of detail with which our, our DNA and our atoms are, are perfectly fit together to to create this intelligence that we have Mm -hmm. that in in and of itself i think is enough proof that we were intelligently designed there are some people who don't think that um but i was pondering human nature good versus evil and and wondering if that in and of itself is is proof of intelligent design or not Mm -hmm. so 
I think that that about that, that wraps that up. I think pretty well. Did you have? I mean, I know Eli. He's a preparer. He's a planner, right? <laughs> he came fully loaded with some Bible verses, and I don't know if it was on that topic or the next uh, one. There are, it's on the next one. If you don't, okay. if you don't mind, I have another question. Well, for we're about you. to tee this one up and swing the driver at it. So, Caleb, do you think we will see our loved ones again? And I put that in air quotes. By what I mean is. Uh, will we see and recognize the people that we know and love and recognize here on earth once we are in heaven? Uh, so I, We being Christians. Yeah, so in, in our human brain, as far as we can see before we hit that wall, I would say yes. But here's the thing is that, um, like, I've heard that, like, you know, there's so many more colors up in heaven, right? Or, like, we're going to see so much more. And so, like, the thought of sight may be radically different in the great beyond, you know? So that's that. Okay, so, so we so we can go with the verb recognize then. It sure. wouldn't have we'll, to be sight. We'll say recognize, and I will still say yes. You say yes. There are those who say no, and Matthew chapter twenty-two and verse thirty is one of the um, evidences that, that that camp would use. Uh, and I'm reading from the NIV version. At the resurrection, people will n- neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. People take that and run with it and go to say that, okay, if we will neither be married nor given to marriage, then would I recognize my wife if I'm no longer married to her? You know, uh, other verses state that, you know, marriage is until death. If a woman is widowed and then she's free to be married to another man, mm-hmm. you know, if, as long as it is in the Lord. Yeah. So, you know, there are those in that camp who say, using that verse, that if we're not even going to be married to our spouse, then how will we, you know, recognize them as, as a loved one in the same way? And, and, and all of this is the big mystery of the afterlife, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's another argument from 1 Corinthians. This is um, chapter 7 and verse 39. <clears throat> a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies... She is free to marry anyone she wishes, uh, but he must belong to the Lord. Hmm. So, so again, that's the the idea that the recognition is, or the the bounding of marriage is uh, null and void upon death. You know what? I can see why that is, and I, I'm here to tell you right now. So, I'm going to preface all this in the in in, in kind of like a, a mind freaky kind of way. So, imagine this: all of a sudden, uh, you. You're there, and you feel you're feeling right. You don't know what it is, but all of a sudden, you, you grab this pair of binoculars and you and you hold them up to your head, and this <laughs> is what we know, and this is what we're doing right now. Is is we're there's we're, we're our soul is back in here somewhere, and it's guiding me around and controlling me all that. <laughs> and so, like I'm looking through that pair of binoculars is everything that we can see, including the Bible. We cannot see further than that, and so we know that like we can base off what we think heaven will be like on what earth is like right now. The you know, streets are paved with gold. Well, we know gold and we know streets. Oh, it could be way different up there, you know? Like, that yeah. could be, like, that's just as close as... Um, Our I'm, understanding I'm, will allow. Exactly. And so what I think is, is a lot of people have confusion about this one verse, and I don't remember what it is. But um, Jesus says, like, you know, not, it doesn't matter if it's my, my mother, my brother, my sister, or, like, he, he lists off a whole bunch of things and said, like... Man, I wish I could remember. I'm gonna to have to probably look it up, and uh, you may have to stall for me. But um, it, it was something like there is no like, rel- like, we rela- sibling relationships almost mm-hmm, to Jesus. Yeah. We're all in the family of God, and so I think that like love in heaven is just homogenous at that point. Mm. Like, well, and you know, uh, at the moment of Jesus's transfiguration, there were those who could see in a way the prophets Elijah and Moses at that time. Uh, it is written that way so you know if if those people could recognize um, Elijah and Moses who no longer lived on earth then perhaps I would say it's possible that we could at the very least recognize our loved ones maybe I doubt there's no way to know them on the same level right. because the it'll be in a completely different experience, you know, sure. out of the physical body that we will have come to know for our entire lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. I don't know, man. I think... It'll, yeah. it'll just be a different, a completely different way of processing information without a 
a physical human brain. Yeah, without, you know without I mean? a little spinal cord. Pea brain. Little pea brain. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely with that. I don't know. And that that's, falls back on my little, my little guy holding up binoculars. We see only what we know. Yeah. And so, like, you know, if I don't recognize the people I knew uh, on Earth in Heaven, then that's perfect. And I think this is a great turnaround to come back to control. <laughs> yep. Because a lot of people want to know what's going to happen. They want to know where they're going to end up. They want answers to all these questions. And it's okay mm-hmm. to not know things. Yep. Absolutely. It really is okay. And I had to grapple with that for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's okay to not have all the answers to, you know, how old is the earth. It's okay. Yeah, we sure. don't have to know. <laughs> All we really need to know is one thing. <clears throat> Which is? Suspenseful pause. Keep them wanting. It's, it's, Jesus died on the cross for us and he's the son of God. Yeah, everybody knew. Um, yeah, that's the obvious answer. But I think that, you know, we don't need to sweat the small stuff. AKA I, the good news. The good news. The gospel news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm... I'm I'm here for it. I'm glad. And I think that like whatever God has planned for us is more perfect than we can imagine. That's great. That's fine with me. What I want doesn't matter. You know yeah. what? And at the end of the day, like I, I've grown to not like take upon it on myself to have radical ideas, but like the radical idea of like, you know, everything we own has been given to us by God. So it's not ours. And so whatever we give is just brought back to God. Like that's a, that's the big ACC Auburn uh, Community Church message. And I think, man, when you think of it like that. Nothing you own matters. Like all this, all these possessions, and like he talks, you know, to the rich young ruler about giving up all his stuff because I think he knows how much value we put on like crap, money and possessions, and yeah, uh, and we don't. I mean, we need it to an extent, especially nowadays. I think like you kind of gotta have it, but a certain amount. But I think I think we live as Americans in such excess that like we don't even realize, you know. And I wish I wish y'all can't see it, but I just rolled my eyes so hard. Yeah, and I, I wish I could go stupid enough to, like, just let it all go, you know? But, I don't know, man. I'm still closed fist right yeah, now. I want, I want that control. You still gotta have it. I don't know. I don't Do you know. find your verse yet? I did at last. It's uh, Jesus' mother and brothers. It'll be Matthew 12, 46 uh, through 50. <clears throat> While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? After stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And, like, that'll kind of freak you out. Because it's kind of weird. Because, like, you could say, like, oh, like, you're my brother. You're my brother, right? You're my friend. But I'm not going to say you're my mother. That's kind of weird. That's a, that's a reach. Because we have these human ideas of relationships that are humanly, right? Oh, and, and I feel like those understandings of relationships will completely dissolve and, and even homogenize like you were talking about in, in a heaven kind of setting. But, but again, there's no way for us to understand. Exactly. So There's no way. And I think, I think what that verse and, and others, is, um, it really encapsulates how like Jesus is just, he flexes so much about how like we don't know and he knows and he's just better. He's just better, you know? And there was one where uh, the uh, Pharisees are talking to Peter and they're like, uh, you know, who does your teacher say he is? Or who who is your teacher? And he's like, oh, he's the son of God. And then, like, he walks on back to where Jesus is staying. And Jesus asks him, and he's like, who do you say I am? And he's like, oh, well, you're you know, the son of God. And, oh, also, I forgot to mention this. This is the whole focal point of the story. The Pharisees are like, uh, does your teacher, does he pay taxes to the temple? And he's like, hmm, I mean, yeah. And then he goes back to Jesus, and he said, and then Jesus is like, who pays the taxes in the land is it the family of royalty or like the citizens of the kingdom and peter's like oh it's the citizens of the kingdom and he's like yeah same with you you're you're all we're all in god's family like we're not gonna have to have to pay taxes to god obviously well and then that that is i think intertwined with the verse about like you know whose face is on the coin well then give caesar what's his and give god what's his yeah and i think what and then what he tells peter and peter right after that is he like he mind fricks him and then he's like but as to not offend them Go pay the tax. And he's like, oh, and you're going to go fish for a fish. And the first one you do, pull the coin out of its mouth and then use that. <laughs> and I'm like, frick, man. Because, like, there's such, a, there's such a juxtaposition of, like, wildly different things. Man, you know I'm a killer for good vocabulary. <laughs> and you have been rattling them off all night. I try. That's what you got to do to sound smart. Um, but, yeah, just that's, that freaks me up because Jesus, like, blew his mind. And he's like, but, like, I'm not going to offend them. Like, his, you know, Jesus didn't come to have, like, 
an earthly kingdom, he came for a heavenly kingdom. So he wasn't coming for this big revolution. But then he's like, but I'm still going to show my power and like let remind you that like I could if I could if I wanted. So go go pay the tax from the fish's mouth. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think that's just that's Jesus blowing minds, and that's us just not understanding. Because that's a, that's a tough story to, to stuff tough story to grasp. Because you know, is there symbolism there? Like why do you do that? But you know, man, I just think I've I I am knee deep in theology all week long, and I, I think. I think you've petered me out yeah, on, yeah. on theology, <laughs> we, bro. We, we've been we've been hitting it off for a, a good hour, hour, probably coming up at it right now. So. All right, I'm gonna speak to your ape brain here. Okay, okay. monkey brain. Time. This is this is a theory that I've held for a long time that no one has been able to disprove. Mm. So I want you to take your best stab at it. Uh, I believe that there is no food that exists that you could not improve with either. A form of cheese or a form of chocolate. And uh, what, what are some, before I rattle off any of my arguments, tell me, like, tell me some that you've heard that people have tried to uh, stop Sushi is, a, is, a, is one that I've heard commonly. But I think a sushi roll that is fish and rice only could be improved with, say, cream cheese. Yeah, no, that's a thing. That's a thing. I'll tell you. It's a thing. That is a thing. Uh, the first one I thought of was uh, Jello. I don't know. I don't know. Chocolate jello pudding? Hello? Are that's, you that's kidding? That's kind of yuck, Eli. You've had you've had chocolate jello like, pudding before. Is that like the, the Are you the talking topic? about straight gelatin though? Because they have chocolate flavored gelatin too. No, what I was talking about like cherry jello, but I don't know. I, I know there's the there's the, the dirt cake, but I didn't is that is that chocolate and jello? Well, technically, I mean it's the uh the gummy worms, right? So that's gelatin. It's fruit flavored, and then it has the chocolate in it. Yeah, I don't know. And I would like say, it. I would say they go better together. I think that a lot of okay, some people do. I'm I'm gonna say probably not, but I can I can see where people go. But yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. And see, and I've heard uh, someone try to argue. Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, chickpeas, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you can bake chickpeas and make them to like a crispy, like crunchy snack, and that's you true. just Throw Parmesan cheese on those. And I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Parmesan cheese on that mug, dude. I'm telling you, there's nothing. There's there's nothing. Uh, let me keep thinking. I thought I'd get you with Jello because I thought that was just too weird. Because I don't know, it's dude. Just a, chocolate, dude. Dude, <laughs> dude I'm telling freaking, you, freaking chocolate, dude. You know, I, I, I hear you. Uh, and I will say that, like, I, I have noticed that, like, you know, because people have like palate cleansing food, and so like, you know, like you can transition from something like steak to ice cream if you eat saltine crackers or if you eat peanuts i think peanuts are really great to kind of transition your your flavor palette yeah yeah so i, I kind of thought well about okay that. and some people would say that like you know a steak perfectly cooked you know doesn't need anything to improve it's already at like the highest echelon you yeah. know what i mean and and i would say go to hamilton's here in auburn and order the roquefort steak and it comes with this roquefort cheese essentially dipping sauce that you're uh, supposed to dip your steak in, and it is it is an undeniable experience. Is all, is all I will say. I'm with that for sure, man. I think I think you can like a lot of people when they think of cheese, they think of like a craft single. So like, no, yeah, it would not nah. be good with a craft gotta, single. Yeah, but but you gotta <laughs> you gotta get in on the fancy cheese like Roquefort and Asiago, and you know. Oh, cream cheese. Look at the culinary Fancy. artist. Knows Dude, I almost. I, look, I'm telling you, I almost chose culinary school. If Auburn had had a culinary program, you might be looking at <laughs> Chef Eli right now. Chef Eli, hospitality. Of course, expert. they're of course they're freaking building a building for culinary arts now oh, that have already graduated and moved on. It's Gor- fine. Gorgeous facility. I'm over it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I thought Jello would kind of get you. Uh, and I'm, I'm running through the list. I think. Look, look I, you think about say cherry Jello, and then my mind goes to a Tootsie Roll pop, which yeah. has cherry candy on the outside, chocolate on the inside. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me though. I, you see, I, you can't take personal preference into stuff like this because I can. You can't. Like, yeah. well, I don't like that. Well, and there's people who's like toast and tongs. Like I can't eat cheese, so uh, for you, <laughs> you know, just, yeah, that's just it. Um, so, yeah, no, I can I see... I think it would have to be something with a super staunch flavor profile. Yeah. Kind of like... I so, don't know. You, I'd be willing to think of, I don't know, like wine, but people do like wine and cheese tastings yeah. all the time, so... I, I get that. I think... I don't know. I don't know why... But this, it's also not a food in my theories about food, so... Yeah. Frozen? No. It's, not, it's still not food. It's just a different form of blue. And again, like, 
you know, this is almost on the same realm as Jello. I just thought about gelato, like frozen Italian ice cream, so to, so to speak. But I, I think chocolate would go right right in with the baby. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's perfectly fine. Um, fruit. No, I, I can see a lot of salt. Salty things can go either way, easy. Oh I think. yeah, I mean like pretzels, cheese, or chocolate. They're um, both yeah. good. I'm trying to go through like the list of, of the flavors because you got like there's uh, a sour. Like I don't know, I don't think a lot of sour things can go really well. Like a sour patch kid, perchance. You're telling me if you had chocolate fondue, you would not dip that song, bitch? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I would, but yet again, hey, if, if you I find need it, everyone listening to this podcast to try that and, yeah. and, and leave it in the comments. Yeah, yeah, leave it in the comments. Yeah, get back to me and uh, let us let us know if you have found solace in, in, in dipping your... Hey, and if, and if you find something out there that you think can't be improved by one of these two food groups... Uh, just uh, at me on Twitter at AuburnCF. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I'm just gonna plug that real quick. Yeah. So I guess you know what. For the time you've stumped me, I'll probably sleep and think of something. But I think that get back to me. That ought about do it. Well, I, I will say it's been a it's been a pleasure having old, old Beli Balker on. We've had a we've had a, a great deep conversation. We've had deep and we've had light and airy, baby. And uh, I gotta say it's it's been a it's been a really it's been a really fine time, Eli. Hey, you're all right. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm fixing to close this. Um, if you have any mantras or funny things that you like to say, or you know, interesting thoughts you'd like to share with the people before we part ways, uh, the time is now. See you later, alligator. <laughs> After a while, crocodile. It's about that time. It's been really fun, and I will catch you all in the next one. <laughs>